Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey. And tonight on the show, um, joining me, we've got my guest, uh, tequila and pineapple juice. That's more like it. And uh, no, uh, my real guest tonight is one of my very dear friends. Uh, she is a friend of mine I met from uh, Greek life at UWM. And every, every time we've hung out, we've always had fulfilling conversation. And I reached out to her if she wanted to be on the show, and she was down. Uh, so we're going to free ball it, uh, catch up a little bit, talk about um, things that uh, we were finding meaning through uh, in this very confusing and chaotic time. And uh, we're going to drink a little bit and catch up. So Eliza Priest, welcome to the show. Hello, welcome. <laughs> um, uh, how are you doing? I'm good, you know, just living life through all the craziness. So, yeah. Dude, I haven't seen you since uh, pre-COVID. Um, I know. Yeah, what'd you do today to start? Um, so I actually had work today. So I work like within Walmart as a merchandiser. So I have work every day still because we're open every day. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, are you like like uh, one of those people that like you work for another company but just in Walmart or something? Yeah. So part of my job is the people that you see that are out there like talking to um, customers and showing product. But most of my job actually involves like behind the scene work, working with employees, working with the department managers um, on educating them about the product that I work with, and then. In addition to that, just getting, you know, more retail space and bringing in new products and stuff like no, that. I, I mean, I actually live in Ohio now. Oh, I had no fucking idea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm so I'm in Ohio now. That's why I messed up the time, the hours before, because I, it's actually 9.15 here. So, yeah, and I thought I'd missed a month all. Yeah, no, I'm in Ohio, so I have eight different stores in the Dayton area. And so every day is a new day, which is really fun. So how does, uh, when did you move to Dayton? Um, beginning of April. Oh, okay. So, yeah. um, have you, like, acclimated to feel like it's home yet? Um, not exactly. I mean, I'm starting to get used to, things have started to open up here. Um, we actually followed different steps to opening up. So I think everything is officially open now. We just have capacity laws. Um, I understand where things are, but now it's kind of the time to go out and see them, go to the museums uh, and actually meet people. Cause I have one total friend here that was just like by accident, met them at one of my stores. Uh, so I just want to get out and be able to do stuff <laughs> safely, yeah, of course. That, that sounds nerve wracking. Um, I, yeah, so, uh, was it for, was it for work? Yeah. Yeah. So I interviewed with them in, in the end of February and then they had the position open out here. So I just came. Sweet. Well, Hey, I mean, leap of faith, right? Yeah. I mean, getting a job during quarantine was as lucky as you can get. So. Well, you've got a truly uh, vibrant backdrop going on over there. <laughs> yeah, just straight white. I am not decorated half my apartment, so. Um, it's okay. The, the tapestry back there is actually on sideways and not, like, vertically. I, mean, I, I, I put it up wrong, so <laughs> I'm, 
I'm not if it works. So yeah. Yeah. Some of my walls have stuff. Other walls are just completely bare like this one. So yeah. <laughs> I have to work on that. I, I hear you. Um, what's it like? Uh, I guess, I mean, you've only been there for a couple of months, but comparatively to Milwaukee, like culture wise, or just kind of like the urban environment, like what's similar, what's different? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's actually quite different. So Dayton only has about 100 to 150,000 people. So it's a lot smaller than Milwaukee. Uh, it's, and it's one of those places that it kind of reminds me of like Northern Wisconsin where you'll get that one like larger city, but you go about 15 minutes North or 15 minutes South or any other direction. And there's pretty much nothing. It's farmlands. Um, the people have been incredibly nice so far because they have that midwest kind of vibe but also i'm an hour from the kentucky border so it's very like southern as well um so they've been really nice and everyone's been very welcoming so far but it's not really comparable just because it's so much smaller like there's it looks a lot like the east side more than anything so (laughs) yeah it looks like part of the city you know yeah exactly yeah I, I feel that. Um, well, um, I, I take it like you're in an apartment like downtown or something? Yeah, I live, yeah, I live about three blocks from downtown, just across the river, as they say here. So um, it's really nice. It's my first apartment by myself, which is very exciting. Um, yeah, it's just like my what's, own space. What's like the hot spot over there? know what's the poppin spot that people go to in Dayton Ohio so the place where everyone goes is called Oregon District and it's pretty much identical to Brady it's just small eclectic stores and bars that are smaller but like a very fun vibe on the streets kind of it's part of the old it's in the old part of Dayton um so it's like a cobblestone street with all these trees it's actually really pretty um, I went out there a few weeks ago when friends came to visit, and it was kind of cool to see people starting to figure out what our new life is going to be like over the next couple of months. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, there you go. I mean, that's good that you had friends to like help you like go out and explore because it is terrifying, um, like being in a new city and uh, having a totally clean slate. I I went through that when. Uh, I moved to Milwaukee for school. I came from Illinois. And, like, I knew a couple people, like, vaguely from high school that I knew were in Milwaukee, but not well enough for me to be – just hit them up and be like, hey, help me out here. I need friends. Yeah. Um, but, like, I remember, like, my first, like, two weeks in Milwaukee, I was just fucking terrified. I, I was doing – like, I remember I walked – I, like, didn't know I, – I wasn't, like, a bus guy before that. Yeah. I didn't I – didn't, I was like, I didn't really know. I was too nervous to go on the bus. So I literally walked from, uh, from the Sandberg dorms all the way downtown to the uh, Greyhound station. Because <laughs> like, when I, uh, I went to go visit a friend um, and I took like a, a coach bus down there. And I remember like, I was so nervous about like taking the city buses because it was just never something I did. Yeah. Um, and I went through all that trouble and walked across the city. <laughs> yeah, I know that vibe. It's It can definitely be like that. Luckily, I have my own vehicle, so I don't have to worry about that. But it 
this is um probably about it's the fourth or fifth city that I've lived in in the last like four or five years so I'm pretty used to getting used to a new place the only thing is is that when I first moved here the first two weeks everything was closed except for work so it was such a weird because I'm such an outgoing and like extroverted person yeah. where all of a sudden I was like oh I have to sit with myself oh. yeah. <laughs> so I got a cat which was very reckless but it worked out <laughs> dude uh tell me about your cat um it was kind of crazy so I'm actually allergic to cats so it's even more crazy oh, um shit. basically last year my one of my best friends got a cat with his roommate and then the roommate had to move out because of covid and my friend travels for work, so he can't take care of the cat. So he texted me and he was like, hey, either you take the cat or I'm giving it to someone that you don't know and you're never going to see her, even though I was there when they adopted her and all this stuff. So I literally that day, like, got in my car, drove back to Milwaukee, picked up the cat, and drove her back down. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, you're a hero. You're a hero for that. <laughs> That's my baby. I had to take her. <laughs> <laughs> What's the cat's name? Her name's Lana, like from Archer. Oh, Lana. Yeah. Hey, hey, baby, Lana. <laughs> I'm, honestly, she's like right at my feet right now because I'm not giving her attention. So, <laughs> oh, dude, tell her to hop on up. Tell her uh, she could be on the show. Right? Okay, now she's walked away. That's, I mean, it's a, cat. <laughs> it's a cat. So she'll she'll get annoyed and come over here. Cats are so fucking like sassy, you know? Like yeah. they'll want attention for like a couple minutes and then they're like, okay, bye. I'm done with yeah. you. And then they just go do something more interesting. Yeah. Literally right before we got on the call, she like climbed up on my chest and I was like, oh my gosh, that's so cute. She put her head like right here. And then out of nowhere, just bit my face and then jumped down and ran away. And I was like, oh, nice. Yep. That makes, that makes sense. That's right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was I didn't call you over here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um i do want a cat eventually i just need to be able to afford one but um before we uh really get into the the nitty-gritty of the show um i do want to share a little story um about my last like two hours or so um so a couple hours ago my my computer broke and um i was like literally like just doing a routine update and then it just gave me this error message that like it needs repair and uh, um it it would not turn on so it's freaking out i was like shit well it is six years old and like screens all fucked up anyway so (laughs) i don't want to like go through the trouble of repairing it uh so i just have to get a new one so like initially like i was just gonna like deal with it tomorrow but um but then like shout out facebook marketplace like seriously facebook marketplace is the fucking shit i've gotten so much shit there the last couple months like because i live alone too now and i had to get all this furniture and shit but dude i dead ass found uh this nice ass laptop um it's windows 10 hp and 250 dollars, brand new and the guy who sold it was like yeah i like it's brand new but i got a new laptop from my employer and i i couldn't return it so he's he was selling it so i was like dude fuck yeah like i'll take the shit so literally like in an hour um 
he drove like from Greenfield and dropped it off and I paid him the money and uh, here we are. So it's amazing how quick of a fix that was. I thought it was going to yeah. be this whole ordeal, but um, very lucky. I got very, very lucky with that find. That is lucky. I mean, it's so nice to have like the ability like that, especially when you can't just like run out and get something now. There's yeah. so much. I've bought so much stuff on Facebook Marketplace. It's probably not even a good thing at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember like when I was like in seventh grade, like I remember my Xbox broke and I was fucking heartbroken. I like <laughs> it was like that red ring of death sort of deal. And I remember like calling the Xbox customer support like every day on on my on our landline back at home <laughs> and like you have to go through all of these like the stupid automated voice um he's like my name is max how can i help you today yeah yeah, yeah i can help you with that one sec while i pull up your account and <laughs> like um just with facebook marketplace like i could have just found like another xbox probably you know like, like not yeah. deal with all that shit that's that's the new world i mean it works out if it works out yeah it's it's a great resource highly recommend facebook marketplace um so uh so anyway uh eliza what we talk about on mr nice guy we talk love and fear passion and creativity and we met uh, a couple of years ago um i don't recall like exactly when we met but i just remember like um you you went to the black rose a lot i do remember that rip black rose <laughs> rip black rose yeah i used to go there all the time yeah yeah and uh, i lived above there so i went there all the time also yeah i didn't have the same excuse you did i think i think that's where we first met i kind of knew who you were but i actually distinctly remember you actually from the coffee shop because i used to go there all the time Oh, uh, roast? Yeah. Well, uh, I don't like to talk about that place. No. I yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's why um, I didn't say the name. I was just like the coffee shop, you know? Like, yeah. Well, we used to both frequent. <laughs> oh, it's okay. I, I've name dropped them on the show in the past because it sucks getting fired for without being told why. Um, yeah. But I'm just going to leave it at that. Uh, but yeah, I... I remember that, like, and then we went out to a couple shows together because, like, you like music. I like music. It's like, yeah. dude, join us sometime. And, yeah, it was, I remember that it was that night at the Cooperage. That was when we, like, really yes. hit it off. And we were talking about the podcast because you hadn't started it yet, and you were telling me all about it. And I think that was when we really, like, really delved into everything. Yeah. Did you think you were going to be on it one day when we were talking? <laughs> no, I didn't because you were talking about all this stuff with like art and stuff like that. And I was like, I love looking at that stuff, but that's not me. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'll just be listening. <laughs> I mean, shit. Like, I think everyone's interesting and everyone has like something that can impact you in some way. You know, you don't have to be this, you know, record producer. You don't have to be like, you know, painting things that go up in galleries. You don't need to be making films. You don't need to be, you know, on the radio. You can do awesome shit just 
in your own way, like participating in society. And, um, and I try to like explore that by having my friends on the show that, you know, may not necessarily like have a creative outlet that they share with the world or anything, but you know, you have interests, you know, you, uh, you like makeup, you like traveling. Yes. Right. Makeup is, makeup is art. It's art that goes on your eyes and face and, you know, you have to wash it all off, but it's still art, right? <laughs> yeah, I feel like I remember seeing a couple pictures of you trying to take it all off. So it's a yeah, hard art on that it, point. It does suck taking it off. I mean, it, yeah, I remember, no, it not only does it suck, to, it was like, it was, on, I think it was on my face for a couple of days because I didn't fully get it off. <laughs> oh my God, no. Well, I don't, I mean, I don't. I don't know how to do my own makeup this day like I've only like had friends do it on me yeah it's a new medium to me so um yeah so I mean like I guess Eliza to start uh I want to hear from you when you were a kid what did you want to do when you grew up what did you want to do I actually wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon wow which is very different from what I do <laughs> yeah <laughs> how did you how did like what sparked it when you were a kid? Um, so I always, I've always known that I wanted to help people. And in my mind, as a kid, you know, people that help people are cops, firefighters, doctors, nurses. And basically, I was like, well, I don't have an issue with blood. I don't have an issue with tubes, like shots, anything like that. So um, I liked science. So here we go. And I kind of I really got into it. Um, I was lucky enough to go to a high school that we had a lot of like extra options in classes. So I took all the science courses, all the anatomy courses, which prepped me for college. Um, and then I did my first year and I did all right. And then I did my second year and I took organic chemistry, which they say is the pre-med weed out class. And uh, it weeded me right out. So yeah, <laughs> I remember, I remember because my sister was like, she studied medicine too and that she said that was like the hardest class she ever took yeah I mean I have friends that are literally like just they're in the residency now that failed orgo like once or twice so it was just one of those like taking that class though it makes you realize whether you want to do it or not and it was like in that class I was like god I hate this I hate going to class every day I hate what I do I don't want to do this um so I actually took a semester off and I was talking to a friend of mine from high school and I was like I don't know what I want to do with my life what am I supposed to do I've wanted to do this since I was seven um and she goes hey I'm doing this major at UWM global studies uh I think you would really like it come sit in on a class with me and so she took me to what she described as the most boring class she's ever taken um I sat down and it was like the most exciting hour of my life and I was like <laughs> this is what I want to do. And like that, from that moment on, I was going to be global studies or international business and never looked back. <laughs> Dude, hell yeah. That's, that's killer. Um, yeah. What was the class that was so boring to her? Uh, globalization 101. I mean, that's a hot topic. I mean, that's yeah. important shit. Yeah, it was the global, I think it was globalization and economics. So every year in our major, the 101 class changes. So I think that year it was economics, though. And um, I just thought it was so fascinating. And she was like, I hate this class. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
that's amazing. And that that's, I'm glad it worked out for you that way. Like, I know it for some, like people get that like existential crisis in college where they thought this was going to be their path. And then they discover, no, I fucking hate this. Um, yep. And it, you know, there's countless stories of that. That's what college is for. That is the beauty of college. And I'm glad that it set you on the right path. Cause yeah. like, I mean, you could have owed thousands of dollars in college debt, you know, with a degree that you were afraid of. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I would have never passed organic chemistry, so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so like, when, uh, when you're not, like, when you weren't doing, um, you know that so I know you, like as we, we were talk, talking about makeup earlier like um was makeup a big thing for you growing up um it, it actually wasn't I was a super tomboy I grew up mainly around my little brother and all of our family friends have sons so I was the like sweatshirt and jeans hood up all the time I played sport, four sports all year round um but it was something that like towards the end of high school I started to get into it because um it was just something that I was curious about I've always seen my mom wear makeup but I never like I wasn't allowed to until much later in high school anyway um and then when I got to college I I actually used to play lacrosse I played lacrosse my first two years of college dude Uh, I played my freshman year of high school I hated it (laughs) (laughs) I was a boys sport is very aggressive I was a deep hole <laughs> and I got like one of those sticks that bends really easily. Yeah. So everyone was like, dude, you need to get a new stick, dude. You can't play with that. I'm like, dude, I just spent like hundreds of dollars on all this equipment. Now you're telling me I need a new one? Fuck yeah. this shit. <laughs> yeah, I got like thrown into it basically. I used to play field hockey too. My whole field hockey team was like, we're going to go play lacrosse. Everyone show up. So I showed up for tryouts, only person there. and then I I stuck with it all four years I ended up playing it year-round um was lucky enough to get um not recruited but recruited by a d3 school and got to play there for about a year and a half and then I hurt my knee and then that was when I really got into makeup though because it was just I had all this energy that had been originally put into sports that it just I could be competitive and use all that energy and put it into that. And then I had nothing and it was like driving me insane. So I got like obsessed with makeup. I was watching hundreds of videos a day, just constantly practicing because I could compete with myself, which is something that I'd never done before. And it just kind of drove me to be like better and better and try this and do that. And then I started doing that on different people and it just grew into a much bigger thing than I, I ever thought it was going to when I was just putting on like lipstick in high school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, for sure. Like when you start with makeup, um, like, I guess like, what did you start with? Cause there's obviously a lot of different kinds. Yeah. Uh, so something that I'd always been told, uh, by, uh, somewhat like one of the clinic ladies that I met was that, The point of makeup is not to change how you look. It's only to enhance what's already there. And so I started off with like really natural stuff because I wasn't used to it. And I didn't want people to think like, oh, like 
here's a tomboy and now she's going to be really, really girly. And most of my friends were guys too. And I was like, I'm not going to get roasted about this right now. That's not what I'm trying to do. (laughs) um, And then it like slowly shifted into how can I make like the features that I really enjoy just more like prominent. And then it was, how can I play with colors and what, in the same way that like a painter grows, it was that because I was like, how far can I go? And then it was like on Halloween, okay, how much more can we take this? And now it's one of those things like, I can do pretty much anything like a pretty basic YouTuber can do. Um, And I can do it quickly because I'm always just trying to be as quick as possible with everything. but it's, it's really just about understanding what looks good on you and more important than that, understanding what makes you feel good. Cause it's one of those things like I could do my makeup perfectly, but if I don't like how I look in the mirror, like it doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter what anyone else says because I don't like it. So then I just start over. And that's the nice thing about makeup. It's you just take it off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Like that's cool that like you were able to channel that energy that normally you allocated towards sports and turned it into something that was still like a mental application but just in a obviously much uh gentler way (laughs) but still in a way that you know you still like had to pay really close attention to detail still had to like you know have the the reflexes for because and i mean that where it's like you know, it can be a sensitive process to do. Yeah. And I think it, it takes a lot and people don't realize that, especially when you're looking at YouTubers or Instagrammers or whatever it is, it's, you know, if I sit down and really want to do my makeup, it'll take me about an hour and it takes a lot to like sit there and look at yourself in the mirror for an hour (laughs) Um, or more if not. And so it, at first it was kind of a weird, cause you have to like under like come into yourself with it too because you have to be like comfortable doing that and um it does take a lot of skill a lot of dexterity in a way that you just think like oh, i'm just gonna slap this on and then you just look like a clown not gonna lie like it's <laughs> <laughs> like caked everywhere and i'm like oh that's not it that's not the look today yeah yeah i i like also what you said about it's not about like it's not about what you put on as much as it is like how you enhance what's already there and yeah that's that's super real like um i uh, i saw a tweet recently about like um forgot exactly what it said but it was like something about like boys don't deserve the eyelashes that they have and i actually learned that when my friend emily did my makeup like a year ago that i've got eyelashes yeah. um a lot of compliments from that but but yeah like I didn't even know that they were really there but once she applied like mascara um and then it's like boom yeah I'm like (laughs) oh shit like damn I didn't even know like this was what's uh lining my uh optic stems (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah but yeah like you make those discoveries like oh shit like I you know I actually have something that can that I didn't realize I had. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's kind of eye-opening because you start to see, it, it's a fine line because you see some, you see a lot of the imperfections, but you also like see things that like 
you I guess you didn't see before like I just always like growing up I was like oh yeah I have brown eyes and it's just like oh it's boring like everyone had like you want the blue eyes and the green eyes and now it's like oh but there's so much more I can do because so many more colors complement brown eyes and it's it's can be really good for your self-esteem if you don't get like wrapped up in it so much just like have fun that's like the most important part same with sports though yeah yeah exactly when it becomes something that like is making you lose sleep at night then yeah take a step back and evaluate why you why you wanted to do it in the first place you know yeah and understanding and I always say like if I ever feel like I need to put makeup on, then like I take, I'll take literally take two weeks where I don't wear makeup at all. Cause it's like, I don't need to do this. I'm never going to need to do this. I want to do this because it makes me feel better. But if it's not going to do that, I just lock it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like you need that break. Like you need to give yourself that release um, from something you love so much that you don't ruin it. I mean, like obviously when I'm doing the show, I do it so frequently like that it can become stressful at times, like fitting everything in and getting everything like edited, uploaded, aired, like getting it all um, in sequence. But, you know, I took a break for four and a half months. And I I mean, I thought that I was going to resume the show when, because I didn't know that, um, you know, we would be in quarantine this long, but we are. So, you know, like, yeah, I adapted the platform to Zoom. uh, But also I feel like, you know, I I, I don't look at that, that couple months break in like with any regret or anything that like, oh, I should have done it sooner. Or I could have just adapted, you know, this whole time. But like, I needed that break. I mean, I it made me sort of reevaluate like why I do the show, what I do it for, who I do it for. And uh, just like, you know, it allowed me to, to like give attention to other parts of my life that I had been neglecting for, you know, or, or wasn't giving enough attention to. So like, yeah, I mean, you got to give yourself, like, you might love something to death, but, like, you know, learn a lot about yourself before you dive back in. Yeah. You got to avoid the burnout. You know, they always say, like, distance makes the heart grow fonder, and sometimes just avoiding that thing makes you just want to do it so much more. And it makes it more special when you do it, so. Hell yeah. Yeah, dude. Absolutely. Um, so, so uh, we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, but um, mm-hmm. you mentioned that you would been comfortable sharing a little bit um so uh so you are a latina woman and uh, um with everything going on um in the world right now like politically and uh, um just like the the conversation um really like centering black and brown folks right now about like what we need from allies like um i guess like how I, I'd love to hear a little bit about your perspective. If you like, do, you, like, if you feel safe right now, like, what you want to see more of as the revolution continues. Yeah, I'll give floors yours. Yeah. Um. So I guess so. I'm I'm half and half. So I'm half white, half Latina. Um. I'm my mom moved here for college. My dad has lived in Milwaukee his entire life. Um. 
And then I also grew up out in a pretty affluent area. So most of my life, I grew up in pretty whitewashed. Um, I always kind of knew that I looked different than the people around me, but I have a pretty ambiguous look to me, which has pros and cons to it. Um, I have a, an extremely white name, which was very much on purpose. Uh, um, but it has been it has been really interesting, actually. Um, Dayton itself, now I'm living here, it it's a pretty black or white city. So I stick out more now than I used to because there's not, um, I'm not white and I'm not black. So it's kind of like I'm that it's very clear I don't belong where I am. Um, and growing up, I never I never really noticed it too much. Um, it wasn't until I moved away. And then it was this weird thing being half. Um, and I know a lot of people that are biracial can kind of attest to it is you're kind of told to pick a side which is a very weird identity thing um and it was something that I struggled with for a long time in which I just ended up pushing both sides away I didn't care about my like Hispanic and Spanish and all that cultural sides but I also was just like white people uh, like um and now what I see is just people fighting for what they believe in, which it's something that I've always stood for. I am someone that very much stands by, you know, what our constitution and bill of rights and the amendments actually say, which is the pursuit of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So it, and people are doing that. They're fighting for their right to liberty and their fight for life. And and along with that then comes the pursuit of happiness on equal grounds, which is so just, it's so incredible. And it, it's been just so crazy watching it. We've had a lot of protests here in Dayton. Um, I've been really active on social media, not so much out on the floor, just because I am living in a city where I know no one, the closest person to me is six and a half hours away. It's, it's not a safe choice. And, um, which has been as someone again extroverted and also a little low key just like likes to get my feet on the ground and stick in the mud like that it's been hard to watch but it's i just try to be the best ally i can because at the end of the day this isn't really my flight fight because like i said i have had a lot of i have had an exuberant amount of privilege most of my life um and the things that i've experienced in my time is a quarter if not less than what anyone that isn't as ambiguous as I am uh, racially which it's been a growing curve um if anything what I want to see more of is just you know it's been a couple months now and you haven't seen a proposal in any states or in the federal government for bills or legislation whatsoever um, and that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for actual viable change. Um, and it's about holding our politicians left or right um, accountable for what they say. There have been a lot of promises made the last 50 years that no one has bothered to keep because no one's holding them accountable to that. Um, I used to be a model UN. I used to work for student government at school. I know all about writing legislation and it, it shouldn't take two months.
that's just really what it comes down to. It's sit down and write it. I love to see the politicians that are out, you know, actively fighting, but at the end of the day, your, their voice is so much more important. Um, you know, when there's a pen and paper in their hand, because that's where they can do the most change. And I think that's really what people and specifically allies need to be pushing for is that actual like, all right, where's documentation? What are we doing here? You say that you want this now prove it, like give me the paperwork, put it to the floor. Because um, we can play the blame game with any politician. I love to do that. Um, but at the end of the day, like you can't villainize anyone until there's actually something to villainize them for. And no one has turned down a bill. The Senate, the president, the con like legislation, the judiciary branch, no one has turned down a bill because nothing's been proposed. And that's, that's the biggest issue, in my opinion, from what I can see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing like your perspective. Like I, um, I, I agree. Um, you know, you can't advocate for something if you don't have a solution for it. Um, you know, you can, you can get angry and point fingers at like all these things, you know, like, all you want but until like you are actually like you know putting in the the financial emotional physical uh work into making the world a better place for not like not just yourself just to feel like just to give yourself a pat on the back but just for those around you and for the world the, for the big picture then like you know, then how much, how much are you actually doing to help the fight? And uh, I, and like, I agree, you know, I've become very disillusioned with politicians myself. I mean, I've become very, very, very far left um, in the last year, just from disillusionment with just not only how things are, but how they've always been. Um, and like, you know, I, I, and that makes me, you know, in a lot of ways, like very angry at Democrats and this, and I, I, I've always been angry at Republicans, but like, yeah, I'm also very angry at Democrats too, because like, you know, what, what are some of them doing right now? Like, you know, we marched to a, a couple of days ago. I don't know if you saw on uh, social media, but yeah, um, the, the group I'm part of, we marched to Tom Barrett's house the other day. Uh, demanding an eviction moratorium and because like 150 people plus are getting evicted every week because they can't pay rent because they're unemployed or yeah. and they didn't they haven't received their unemployment benefits yet um which is an entirely different conversation but like when you are just giving the go for like predatory landlords and um renters to like exploit tenants and kick people out onto the streets where they don't have anywhere to go um and you're just standing idly by and not doing anything about it like you know then why the fuck do you have like all of these like justice signs in your lawn mm -hmm. you know like that's and you know a lot and that's exactly how it's you know people talk about it a lot. I've been talking about it a lot this year about just how Democrats are 
you know, basically very much like Republicans, but just with some like social accolades slapped on. And uh, that's real as fuck. Like it's, that's just how the system is. It's just like, it's very, a very corporatized system that puts profits before people. And, uh, um, and I think that that's put so much of like the real fight in our hands because we can't rely on politicians to like always, you know, do the right thing because a lot of times they won't or they'll take way too long to. Yeah. Like Breonna Taylor's killers still aren't arrested. Two of them are still getting paid right now. So much money going to like our military and police budgets right now, but not towards housing. And towards humanitarian aid and towards, you know, reparations for the marginalized. Like, it's, I think that this year, like, really has put in perspective for a lot of voters that, you know, politicians are just, they don't, a lot of times they just really do not have the interests in mind of the people that they pander to on their campaign trails. And uh, we've always voted about who we hate more and not who we like. And uh, I don't know if you know the show um, uh, Patriot Act. You seen that at all? No, I think I've heard of it, though. It's like a it's on Netflix. It's like a political talk show with Hassan Minaj. I don't know. Like the fight is I mean, it's still going really strong right now. I mean, it's it has been for two months now. But I think that like how angered people were over how like the government has handled the pandemic definitely exasperated how people were just so riled up about there. People have always like people over the last couple of years have been so like riled up and angry about, you know, police brutality and racial disparities in the justice system that like we hit such a, a tipping point this year that, you know, once George Floyd happened, when Breonna Taylor happened, like, everyone's like, you know what, fuck this system. We're, we're going to the streets and we're going to, like, fucking, we're going to tell the world that this shit is fucked up and it should not be this way. Yeah. And I think it was really important because, um, you know, it's interesting enough because you have one side that greatly argues that you know people are laughing at the u.s which is which is frankly true but it's not about the movement because um, most countries are fighting for this what people don't realize um is that and and I, i think it falls on both sides in this is that racism is still everywhere in the world everywhere um i've been to 21 countries and i can tell you every single one of them that i've been to i have seen racism um, where it differs is that some of it comes from just blatant choosing to ignore it, which I would categorize the U.S. in, and some of it comes from lack of education, which I would categorize um, places like when I lived in Spain. They're a very homogenous society because they were ruled by a dictator until the mid-80s, uh, and so there was no ins and outs. They just don't know what other people look like. So it comes with that, which doesn't make it right, but also you have this moment where you're like, Versus here, people do know, and the choice to ignore it is 
it's frustrating as someone who has experienced it and not only that like part of globalization the globalization major is we have to take a lot of political science classes um and i always say i don't trust a political science major that chooses a side because if you actually paid attention in your political science classes you understand that it doesn't matter um yeah. there is an elite class the only universal class um where race where you're from all of this doesn't matter comes from the elite class of wealth um and the majority of that wealth lies within politics which is kind of ironic because politicians actually don't make that much money. So it's that weird question of where is it coming I from? I struggle with all politicians. I don't trust any of them anywhere in the world because I've just seen, just, I've seen too much, I've read too much. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, the or the, not the movie, the TV show, The Newsroom. It's on Prime, Amazon Prime. It was originally, I think, on HBO. Um, and basically it's about broadcasters. But in the opening scene, it floats around Facebook and every social media site. Um, the main character goes on to this long thing or a long soliloquy because he's at an event and somebody in the audience asks, like, what makes the United States the greatest country in the world? Oh, yeah. Basically, I've, yeah. I've seen that clip, yeah. That was yeah. showed in, like, at least, like, three of my classes, actually. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love that entire show. I've seen it multiple times through. Um, but in that speech, what I really enjoyed was how he did point out the fact that both sides pretend to fight but at the end of the day like they sit down to dinner every single night and they laugh at the plebs because we believe it and i think what this year has brought is all of a sudden people are going you know what i'm tired i don't want this and i'm tired of listening to promises from one side that have been the same promises since the civil rights movement and have never gone through. Uh, you have literally some of the same politicians in office from that time period running on the same platform for 30, 40 years. And you're like, okay, but I don't know, maybe somebody should have happened by now. And then you have the other side where they supposedly stand for, you know, lesser form of government following the constitution, the bill of rights. And yet, all of their basis is based off of religion and lack of facts, which is the exact opposite. And it's this weird game because, you know, if you look at the documents and you look at the history of how the U.S. started, it was based off of compromise. You know, Hamilton and Jefferson sat down in a room together and Jefferson left with, the D with D.C., the capital, and Hamilton left with the banks. And everyone left happy. Um, and at the end of the day, if politicians actually sat down, the people would leave happy, but the lobbyists wouldn't. And the people who put money in pockets don't. So it, it's a very, it's a very hard line. And I think, you know, I don't want to give too much credit to the ginger in office, but if there's anything that he's ever said that I thought, you know what, maybe he has a point, it was drain the swamp because at the end of the day, they, everyone sucks and it's time for people to step up. And we saw it last election um, when Congress was, we saw younger, newer people stepping up and actually winning office. We have one of the most, like literally one of the most diverse 
cast of Congress people that we've ever had. And, and there's gay congressmen and women, and there's multiple people of color, different religions, different cultures. And it's so incredible because people are finally saying, I'm tired of this and I want something different. And I think that's the most important thing that's gonna come out of this year. Yeah. He may have said drain the swamp, but uh, he he's not working towards it. But... Yeah, he didn't drain. I like yes, the sentiment is true, but he sure oh, yeah. as fuck did the opposite. Oh, I don't want to give him any credit towards that. Yeah, I that people. I think him becoming president was an awakening for one side, and then also an awakening for another side. And at the end of the day, like, I don't think he wanted it to happen, but it's probably going to. So. Yeah, yeah, like. I think you, yeah, you, you're very spot on. Like, I agree with a lot of things there. Like, um, you know, you get the reactionary attitudes from Republicans. You get the pandering attitudes from Democrats. And then the ones that are left with us, the, the ones that are left are the people that are affected by the decisions they make. And, um, and like, I think what you said about, like, you know, politicians and the elite class, like that's, that's, that is the, that's it right there. Like is the fact that like, it's the lobbyists, it's the money, it's the donors, it's the, it's the corporations that fund these politicians that therefore will make legislations and, and keep their interests in mind so that they can continue capitalizing, using cheap labor, you know, like using cheap practices so that they can produce the most. And mm -hmm. the politicians that are doing all of that, you know, are ultimately making it so capitalism becomes monopolized in all these markets. And like, and Democrats are just as guilty of that when it comes to like things that Democrats tend to like lean towards. Like, yeah, obviously I'm, more on their side but at the same time it's like they they have to really win our trust right now um and there's a couple that are in congress right now that are killing the game i mean i'm talking aoc i'm talking Ian Omar, i'm talking you know like rashida Tlaib. like those women are actually pushing towards like some really really great progressive and green ideals in Congress right now. And I give them that credit, but it's also like that, that, but the thing is, that's crazy is like, do they even really fit in the democratic party then? <laughs> you know, like I, one could argue that like, they're not really that democratic because democratic means like still, you know, pretty status quo. Like, I mean, I digress. We could be here for hours talking about it. But I think that the bottom line is that, like, you know, I think the people have really been t taking it in our hands and, like, stepping up about, like, okay, where is our – where do we want our money to go to? Yeah. Like, what – who are we going to put pressure on to divest from you know, these practices? Who are we going to elect locally that will help make our communities better places? And – Ultimately, how can we fund resources for those that are most affected in these situations? Yeah. And I think that that has really been seen as imperative this year. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad for that. It, it, it's had to happen. Yeah, I think the biggest thing and 
I keep pushing it to anyone that I talk to is that at the end of the day, you know, we have three branches of government and they all have each individual jobs and they can't tiptoe. We have checks and balances. They can't tiptoe too far into each other's jobs. Um, yeah. And, you know, more or less the president's main job is commander in chief of the army and he has veto capability, some veto capability um, to legislation before it gets to the Supreme Court. But other than that, he's mainly figurehead. It's illegal for the president to write legislation um, or to introduce it to, uh, to Congress or to the Senate. He can push, we saw it with Obama pushing for certain things. We see it with Trump pushing for other things. All presidents can push for something. Um, JFK pushed for civil rights, um, but they can't technically write laws. And I think people are finally realizing, hey, we have hundreds of representatives from all over our counties that are actually the ones who are the feet on the ground. Yeah. And I don't know their names. And yeah. literally the other day I like opened up some, one of my friends posted um, a link to this website that like shows you everybody that's running in your district um, all the way up to president. And I was like, why don't I, I have lived here my entire life. Why don't I know the names of any of these people on here? Yeah. Why don't I know anyone but the president and the governor's name on here? Um, because those aren't the people writing the laws. It's the other people who keep their name low. They keep everything low. They make the promises they have to. And then just coast through because it's a nice job for 45 years. <laughs> yeah. And I think this year is going to push to the fact that, you know, those senators and those congressmen who are all elected officials are actually going to have to get elected. And I think that's really important because that's when we're going to actively see change um, on both sides in both parties. And they're going to start to pull apart more, which I honestly think is for the best, whether I agree with this person on this or this person on that. Um, the parties have gotten way too close and they work too closely together to help themselves. And I'm, that's not what the government is about. So, or it shouldn't be what it's about. It is what it's about technically, but. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I appreciate your perspective and I, um, yeah, like what you said about knowing your senators, your representatives, like, you know, you're absolutely right. Like, I just voted today um, in, like, the partisan primary. And, um, and like, I knew some of the some of the candidates. But, some, I mean, for one, some of them were just running unopposed. Mm -hmm. And others, like, you have to, like, look up and be like, okay, which one uh, – which one, which one am I vibing with more here? Like yeah. in a, in a, in a two minute doing two minute long research on like who, what you can find on the internet quickly about them. Yeah. And it shouldn't be that way. Like we should know all of our senators in the state. We should know our local representatives. We should know all of the senators in the U S um, like the, the big Senate, as well yeah. as in the House, like, we need to know, like, sure, we might know some of them, but there's a lot we don't know, and yeah. we also don't know what states they're from, necessarily, either, um, so, like, 
yeah, we, we need that. I think that there just needs to be broader education about how, like w how the voting process works, who we're voting for and what it affects because we give way too much credit to the very top, the very top of it because we think that it all falls on them, but it doesn't. Like you, you were mentioning earlier about how like the president doesn't have power to do a lot of these things. And I mean, people literally just like, they see Trump tweet bullshit, tweet the dumbest fucking things in the fucking world. And it's like half these things he can't even legally do. No. Like we're getting and so- And he has no it. power. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, I'm angry he said that too. But at the same time, he can't even do that. So it's like, it's not even necessarily always worth getting angry about because it's like, you know, he can't do things like delay the election, you know, like, and I don't know if his voters are dumb enough to think that he can do that either. I'm not sure, but. Yeah. It's just one of those things. It's just, everything is just a distraction for something else that's happening. And that's, you know, there's a lot of people that are going to have the rug pulled on them again on both sides. And it's, it's sad because what happens is, is that when you have that lack of education for those things, people just end up voting, you know, Democrat or Republican. Yeah. And here's the thing is that that's not right because I know a lot of Democrats that don't believe anything that they say and they are actually the opposite. They just don't realize it because they were labeled Democrats. And I know a lot of Republicans that are the same. And because they just, everyone is so worried about labels here. And instead of just looking, okay, what does this person actually stand for? What are they actually trying to achieve? Right. You know, there comes a point where you look at different things. You look at legislation that wasn't great that you know maybe republicans wrote and put through but at the end of the day a democrat had to vote for it so who is that person what is this and then on the flip side you look at things that you know the most near one was the lgbtq you know marriage laws and stuff like that the democrats didn't have the house at that point so there were some republicans that pushed for that who are those people and it's this question of not everyone falls exactly into their party and knowing that before you vote for them. Yeah. It's the so ideology. It's the yeah. ideology fallacy. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're both parties stem from good lines innately. They're actual innate goals. It's the people that define them. It's the people within the parties that define them. You know, like I said earlier, it's Democrats are supposed to stem from progression forward and the future and Republicans are supposed to stand for the Republic and what the constitution says. And neither of them have really been proving lately that they'll do either of those things. So like, what are we doing as the people voting for them? Get them out. Let's do yeah. someone new. Let's see what's going on. Yeah. It's, it shouldn't be a popularity contest. It should be no. a, who actually cares about their neighbors and who yeah. cares about it's the fucking money. It's all in the fucking capability. Money. <laughs> it's all the money. Yeah, it always yeah. comes back to the money. Yeah, right. Well, Eliza, um, I had a wonderful time talking, catching up, uh, oh. hearing about you know 
what you're making of the world right now, but also talking about makeup. We talked about I makeup. Know. You want to do my makeup sometime? I literally would love that. Oh my god, it's my favorite Let, thing to do. Next time you're here, hit me up. Okay, um, I will. Hell yeah, I I love you know when my friends do looks on me, so that'd be dope. Um, so as we close out, uh, Eliza, tell me what keeps you up at night. Oof. Just making sure that at the end of the day, my main goal every single day is that I learn something new and I help someone even if it was in the smallest way possible. And so I have that moment like where I'm like, okay, did I do my two things today? And then I can go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> well, you helped me. You helped me oh. and being here talking and like it. It warmed my heart to be able to see you and talk to you because I do really it miss you. It was so you. nice catching up, yeah. What puts you to sleep? Um, I love, like, sleep meditation videos mm. and then, like, cuddles with a new kitty. So. Dude, it's Lana, right? Yeah. Shout out Lana. I still want to see her. Should um, I go grab her really quick? Yeah, yeah. Let's see the cat. <laughs> Come here, baby. Yes, hello. Meow. Yeah, she's she's super vocal. She's got a lot of opinions. Oh, hi. She <laughs> can hear. She can hear you in my ear. Yes. Hi. Oh, she's pretty. Yeah. Hi. Oh, she's a pretty baby. Yeah. She's very beautiful. Um. Oh, well, thank you for being on the show, Liza. Thank you for joining us last minute, Lana. Um, so, um, everyone who's watched this far, do your research on your candidates. Um, we, I believe in voting. I'm a firm believer in voting 100%, but we have to, have to understand how our system works, who it works for, and what power is in our hands is the people. How's that sound? Is that good? Yeah. Yep. Voting is your right and education is your duty to society. Love that. Thank you, Liza. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for watching, Mr. Nice Guy. We'll see you next time. Bye.